across it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. And there it goes, Joe. There went Joe. Joe, are you there? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> Immediately <laughs> lost connection. Uh, well, there is Joe. Joe is also here. Sam Jones is here from the Mothership and Dirty South Soccer, like he was trying to say. Uh, Joe Patrick from 919 The Game and Dirty South Soccer and the Mothership sometimes as well is right over there. Uh, say hey, Joe, if you can. Just the two of us. Just the two of us back back at it. Nice and nice and intimate. It, it yeah. was, it's, you know, third, third wheeling's fine, but gets it's nice to be back together sometimes, you know. Yeah. Nice oh, to back. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a partnership on on the level of of deep deep connection that we're suddenly seeing from PT Martinez and Joseph Martinez. Much right? better than much better than the connection that we have right now on a, over the internet's on hey, Skype. Yo. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's been it's been really good. The game last night was uh, quite enjoyable to watch. It was Atlanta United looking their fun selves again, which was al- always good. Right. And Pitts Martinez maybe was um, a self that we've never seen from him before. He looked as good as maybe we've ever seen him play for Atlanta not United. Do, not only do you look really good, he, he said a lot of good things to y'all after the game. Yeah. I was not in Kennesaw uh, straight up, but you were a couple other folks in DSS were. Um, and, and he seemed, he seemed pretty, uh, not regretful, but kind of embarrassed maybe about last year. I mean, he admitted that it, you know, he did not have a good year last year, which is great to hear that because now I don't feel like I'm trashing him by saying, by, <laughs> by us saying it. Validation. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was nice. He also referred to himself in the third person. Oh, he said, this yeah, is, he, he said, this is the pity we want to see or something like that. <laughs> so uh, he starts getting to Ricky Henderson, Deion Sanders levels of confidence. Oh MLS is doomed. They're doomed. Yeah. But that's the thing is like he he seemed confident. He played with a lot of confidence, of course. But he also said after the game, he was like, Joseph is the star of this team. Um, and everybody that I talked to in the mix zone, Brad Gazan, Anton Walks, uh, and then also Frank DeBoer in his post-game press conference, they all reference the fact that he's been really good off the field too. Like he's coming to preseason. Frank said he came into preseason really lo- like feeling like he was determined and wanted to prove himself. And all three of them said that he's a great leader for this team, uh, which is not something yeah. that we really saw from him last year. You know, I so let's be real. Let's let's just let's just get to brass oh, we'll tacks. Get real, here. huh? So okay. yeah. So like so here's the impression I have is that he came in last year and probably had these um these notions of what he was supposed to be in Atlanta, right? Like he was this big star that was brought in. He knew that, and he was brought in for close to a record fee. I don't think it was ever officially disclosed how much, oh, but no. it was you know it was, it was a lot of money. And I think that he probably felt like he needed to come into Atlanta and like be the guy, you know, like be the guy that is worth the money. That is uh, who the fans were expecting as this guy with all these awards who, you know, I'm not, I don't even want to say it, but we all know the award that he won. Um, and so he was supposed to be all these things. And I feel like it was just, again, I don't know if it's like pressure 
that he was feeling, but I feel like it was like he was trying to force himself to be a player, a certain type of player or play a certain type of role in the team. And now it just feels like he's like found his lane much more. And he's just like more comfortable with where he is, with the teammates he has around him. And I think that if he can stay this course right here, which I fully think he will, uh, that we can see the best Pitti Martinez that we've seen. It'll help too as Joseph kind of, I think, figures out what his role is under Frank. Because last year we saw it a lot where he, he struggled a bit coming back and playing those little flicks and one-twos and everything like that. Last night he looked extremely comfortable and it comes off in a, that first goal, which is just it's gorgeous, right? That's one of the best team goals we've ever seen in team history. Uh, and that's in the second game of the year. That's, that's insane, right? Um, so if those two get that connection figured out in a really big way, then everyone else is in a lot of trouble and the ceiling gets so much higher for what Atlanta is trying to do, what Frank is trying to do, because he has a striker in Joseph who's able to, to execute. I think he always understood what he was supposed to do. You could tell that he was doing the things that Frank was asking him to do. He was coming back and trying to do that. It just didn't come off for whatever reason, right? And, and sometimes that comes down to inches, m- millimeters, that kind of thing. It, it's split-second kind of things. But last night he looked quick. He looked comfortable. Um, I don't know if he's going to get as much space coming back uh, against other teams. But in a back three last night, Matago was really struggling to keep him in check. And that's huge. And that's beneficial for both of them. Yeah. he. So the Matagua coach after the game said that Pitti, he said he, he's like Messi in that he the way he moves around the pitch and kind of floats and finds these pockets of space. And I think that that's really what Matagua struggled with was they couldn't figure out how to find balance by while while keeping tight marks on both Pitti Martinez and Ezekiel Barco. They were they were finding those holes. They were dropping in, you know, in front of the back three, and the the back three didn't want to push up and go man to man that high up the field. But also the midfielders didn't want to drop back that deep. They wanted to still apply some pressure high up, and so it just seemed like they were kind of caught in between. And you know, Atlanta United had a ton of success. I do want to say like something that you mentioned with Joseph. I think that it's going to be so important for him, and I think we're going to see another evolution in his game this year. And we started to see a little bit of it last year where he's playing more of a complete striker role, you know, under Tata Martino, he was very much a poacher always trying to get into that back post, trying to get on the ends of those crosses, always like sprinting into the box, getting on the end of something. And now I think he's going to be playing. He might still have those moments, but he's going to be playing like with his back to goal a little bit more, getting teammates involved and playing those one twos. And we saw that, you know, we saw a little bit of that on that first goal. And I think there, there's going to be a lot more of that as the season goes on. I think I mentioned in our writer's room uh, that I thought that the team had more like jaw dropping team goals last year under Frank DeBoer than they had combined under Tata. And I know that Toyota football got very upset when I said that. (laughs) And I'm not saying that the attack was necessarily better as a whole, but I do think that like the, the, the breadcrumbs were there where you could kind of see what this team could potentially be at its best. And I think we got even a little bit more of a taste of that last night. Yeah. And again, it comes down to those little small things, the small fractions of, of inches, whether that's just making decisions quicker or whether that's just knowing where to put the ball a little better now or whether it's where to float in space. Like, again, like you said, last night, PT was doing a really good job. Of that. You can see it on the first goal, too, that him and uh, Emerson Hyndman had, had both found the same little pocket of space. Uh, fortunately, PT made a really quick decision once he found that pocket of space ball comes into him. 
uh, right center back steps up in that back three, and at that point it was done. Uh, there was just so much space for him to attack on that left side. Um, I do want to kind of get to something just in general with the way the team played last night, and I think you made a really good point about this. It may have been in a thoughts column or in a tweet or something like that. It's hard to keep up with all the content. But you talked about how the difference between last year's win in the second leg of the first round of CCL, right, was last year it felt like brute force kind of just willed Atlanta to it, right? Like there was just Breck Shea running around and, and somehow making things accidentally happen, and Atlanta was able to score a bunch of times. Last night it seemed like everything was very well earned. Yeah, it's a different for kind sure. of win. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it was well earned, and I the the point I was making there too was that I thought that the way that Frank talked about the team was different in a way that you might not expect. Like last year, I thought, as you said, um, it was le- it was um, not nearly as pretty as it was last night uh, against Matagua. But at that time last year, he was new, so he was very much praising the team after that game, kind of like you know, lauding them and saying how, um, you know, kind of giving this very flowery picture of what happened. And after the game last night, where I think everybody, there was a consensus that the team played him pretty fantastic, he was like, no, we can still be better. We, we can still be much better. Um, and it's true. Like, it's, it's pretty crazy to think that this team that went out and dominated that game last night did not have Miles Robinson, yep. a Defender of the Year candidate, he was a best 11 player last year. Didn't have Mateus Ozeto, one of your, you know, premier summer signings. So there's still a lot that could be added. But I just thought it was interesting to see Frank talk about that way. And I think somebody brought it up in our writer's room as well. And people were like, oh, no. Like, he, because he, I think he said he was talking about Pitti. And he was like, he can be better, you know. Um, <laughs> but I think that that shows the relationship that he has with the team now. Where it's like, he's not scared to say that. And I think that the players also kind of understand like it's not like some stranger coming in telling you you can be better when you thought you played well you know it's like yeah. it's just the natural growth of the relationships within the team and i think that you know frank frank said it as well that the locker room atmosphere has been um the biggest difference for him between this year and last year frank got a lot right last night and as much as we're gonna have to eat crow i think for it a lot of it started with the 343 i think uh, it was is setup that we've seen tried a few times and again last year it struggled a bit uh last night it looked pretty close to perfect uh you have brooks lennon on the right i believe i'm right in saying that i'm trying to get yep. the wingbacks right yep. brooks lennon on yep. the right and then jake mulraney mulraney <laughs> do we have to say that in an irish or scottish accent or whatever it is mulaney. Get mulaney. yeah yeah let's let's not uh on the left he <laughs> that was my sharp. best john nelson doing an irish uh, irish accent <laughs> perfect Perfect. So we'll have to break that impression out in front of him sometime. Um, but it all worked. Uh, but you talked about Hasetto not having everything sorted out. This visas right now and everything like that. And Frank is upset about that. The team's upset about that. It's it's weird. We'll have to get into that more and kind of understand why that's happening right now. I think someone much smarter than us maybe might have to do that. But you had uh, a midfield kind of two of, of Rometty and, and Hyman last night. How did you think that went? And when Hasetto is back, does he fit into that in any way? Uh, it seems kind of dangerous to pair him and Hyman. I don't know. I mean, I was skeptical about it when the lineups came out. I was like, wow, okay, this is going to be a pretty 
tough challenge for these two players for Remedi and Hyman to lock it down because that's a lot of just ground to cover for two players in general. And, you know, I think we've kind of expressed our concerns with each of those players and their limitations, but I thought they both played very well. And I was actually most impressed with Eric Remedi. I thought he really held things down. Well. I think that, yeah. you know, when we talk about <clears throat> why this um, three back worked so well last night, there was, it, it seemed to me like there was some, um, Early in the game, when it was pr- still pretty slow, Atlanta was doing a lot of building up from the back, like really, really deep in their own half, really almost yeah. like asking Matagua to come at them. And I think that Eric Rometty was a big part in making sure that that all ran smoothly. And I think that that also, just that tactic of having that very deep and patient buildup and just letting Matagua come, come onto them is what provided them all the chances that they had later on in the game because it really created space. And I thought Eric Rometty did really well um, composed on the ball, and then he would basically play. He would basically ask players to come toward him, and then he'd be able to release it right in the perfect time. And he was releasing the ball in the perfect direction and weight, oftentimes for Emerson Hyman or for Pitti Martinez to keep their momentum going up the field, so that when they received it, they weren't stopping. You know, it was like a. It felt fluid as the team built up uh, into the attacking phase. So I thought they, I thought they played well. I want to know like what your impressions were of um, when we're, while we're speaking of kind of like the midfielders and defense, Fernando Meza, he seems like he's been like a revelation and he seems like a better version of LGP, which I did not expect. I don't know. I, I mean, Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if you have any strong takes about, about this, but here's, you my, know. here's my best Fernando, Fernando Mesa tech or take from last night. Right. I didn't notice Fernando Meza. Yeah. yeah. That's that's all I can really say about it, honestly. Right. And if he's that steady all year, uh, that's huge. And paired with Miles, it's going to be excellent, really. It, even if they don't go in that in a back four, you know, if they bring Miles back into that back three setup, that's a really, really solid back three. Um, and the less we notice him and, and Miles is able to, to pick up anything else that somehow gets through him, that's a team that's not given up a lot of goals at all this year. Um, that that's really really exciting. Um, did you yeah. notice anything in particular from him? Was it positioning? Was it just steadiness? Well, yeah, yeah. It was just like his calmness building out from the back. And I should say, I I, th- I just mentioned, I said he's a better better version of LGP. Um, I, you know, I make the connection a lot to L- between him and LGP just because they came in on a like pretty much on the same deal. It was kind of like right. a train, same like, day. kind of like a player swap. Yeah, they were coming yeah. from the same to and from the same club or whatever. Um, so that's kind of why I make that connection. But his game really is not like LGP's was. It's much. He's much more like a Parkhurst type of player, which I think is what Car- how Carlos Bocanegra referred to yeah. him in one of the conference calls we had this offseason. He just kind of fit can, that profile, too. It's the yeah. same same uh, frame, same body type, same kind of age, veteranness about him, I guess. Um, seems Except- kind of like a, a dick in a good way, you know, uh, yeah. like in a funny way. So that's good. Yeah. Except I did see him get up on some on some headers. The guy can jump, which is not like Michael Parker's. That was the thing we were confused about when we were looking at the like five eightness of it all, and then looking yeah. at his stats uh, where he was coming from and being like, "Wait, he he led and headed clearances. That's weird." But uh, there you go. Yeah, his uh, his his statistics, which I think Toyota Football pulled from like one of those scouting services. Yeah, he's like one of he was one of the best headers in Liga MX despite being. Uh, pretty yeah, pretty short guy. Not like not physically imposing at all. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to. 
I kind of want to caution or like temper my own expectations based on what we've seen so far, just because it's so early, you know, it's like, it's one totally. game we, and it's against competition that we're not familiar with, but, but is it, gosh, that's, that's about as optimistic as I've been after a game in a real long time. Yeah. I think there was one game last year where I think they went into to Kansas city and Zeke was healthy and they just kind of ran them off the pitch a little bit. And that's the last time I can be remember being really optimistic about the direction of the team and everything like that. I was wrong then. It, it kind of <laughs> slipped. <laughs> and Zeke got hurt and uh, had a couple other things. And it eventually really didn't start picking up until well past the Seattle game uh, a few months down the road. But uh, last night was very, very encouraging. But the thing is, we don't know really what the level of Matagal is, right? We, we don't yeah. know exactly how good competition they faced is. We don't know if they were going to execute in the same way. And we know that teams will eventually get tape on what this 3-4-3 is and what we're trying to do in that and, and find ways to counteract it. And we'll have to adjust. Um, so you're right. We, we can't freak out too much. But it's so nice to have fun again. I had fun last night. <laughs> yeah. I had fun watching this team, and that's that's something that was missing in a lot of ways last year, and that's so encouraging going forward. Yeah, I gotta ask you another thing too, because I I like I kind of like when we're when one of us is not at the game because we get a little bit of a different perspective on things. How did the field look to you? Because like, or I'm sorry, how did it look like the players were on it? Because to me, it looked like they were. It was lots of like slipping and loose footing. You just but they don't all, see it on they TV. All praised it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you really just don't see it on TV too much. Um, it's it's I guess it's small enough that uh, you don't really pay attention to it. But I yeah. I, I saw y'all got I saw y'all tweeting about it a bunch of times and kept kind of looking for it and, and kept looking for it and and didn't really pick up on it in the same way that I would in the stadium. Uh, but I will say that at the fraction during action at the fraction as we're now calling it is wait real quick is that. Is that a Conti thing or is that a Chris Ramondi thing? It's a John Nelson thing. It's a John Nelson thing. Uh, okay. You, I mean, makes that sense, makes right? so much sense, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it might have been a Ramondi thing. I was excited to give him credit for that. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, he was brought, he yeah. was one of the early adopters of Ramondi. Okay. okay. Nice. <clears throat> um, um, I, well, I did see one of the Matagua center backs came and changed his boots um in like okay. the fifth minute when they had a set piece that they actually had a really good chance to score from early in the game yeah. uh, he came and cha- he was changing his shoes during the while while the set piece was getting set up so it was I, I think that some of the players kind of they had some early slips but then they kind of figure out how to deal with it but you know something that is very true was that frank DeBoer was saying it's a, or I th- maybe it was actually i think it was the matagua coach said that it was like a super fast pitch like the ball rolls on it very very quickly like it glides on that surface because it's just so flat and it was nice and wet i you know i was walking on it after the game and you could just sense like why how a ball would just move perfectly on it and i think that that helped a lot of atlanta what atlanta wanted to do with that combination play in the middle of the field. I think that's one of the reasons why Heinemann especially looked so much better. I think he only had one incomplete pass in the game compared to Imatagua. He looked like the worst player on the field, at least yeah. for Atlanta. Like he, he looked terrible, honestly. Um, and I, he, like big credit to him for just having such a turnaround in his performance at home. I thought it was really impressive. And I just thought that, yeah, it just all set up for Atlanta very nicely and all the parts came together so um hope to see more of that it will be interesting to see 
how the Club America game goes. I'm assuming they're going to go through. They play tonight as we're recording, and uh, yeah, you know that game will be played at Fifth Third Bank Stadium, which will be nuts with all the Mexican media, the Mexican fans. Oh, well, first off, let's explain the press box situation at the Fraction. <laughs> uh, it's a little trailer. It's yeah. a little tiny trailer. Uh, were y'all pretty packed last night? It was. I packed. imagine. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was packed in there. So and, imagine that with probably the biggest team on the continent coming. Uh, yeah. Then you put on top of the, the, you know, you're going from Estadio Azteca, 100,000, to <laughs> the fraction, 10,000. Uh, it's going to be a bit, a bit cramped. It's going to be super interesting uh, to see the split. I'm wondering how many tickets they're even going to make available to the public if it's all going to be season ticket holders because it's going to be a massive massive ticket i bet i bet the resale market's going to be huge i bet you see a lot of season ticket holders go hey <laughs> game sounds fun four hundred dollars is four hundred dollars yeah <laughs> oh what are those kind of deals and so i'm interesting to see if there's a club america takeover of sorts but we had a blast with them when they were in mbs during what was essentially a, a glorified exhibition game that turned into not an exhibition game with campionas cup uh to have them come in for legit real competition is going to be so so fun i can't wait yeah it's gonna that was one of my favorite parts of that game just in general aside from actually the soccer was pretty good in that game but the fans just like having having it be like a split stadium mm -hmm. um in terms of the fan bases were awesome and i gotta say shout out to the uh, matago fans uh, last night they had actually actually had a pretty big section and they were they were yeah they were the great time. on tv they were yeah. they were killing it yeah um I, again i'm interested to see exactly how many are are released to club america i guess if they if they kind of do it that way i, I i'm assuming they do um yeah, and sure. you know i'm interested to see if they make any upgrades to to fifth third honestly are there ways they can add extra seats all that kind of thing i'm sure we'll get more info as that comes out uh, uh over the next few days um but again, just an update on why we can't go anywhere else. Uh, MBS is preparing for the Final Four, which takes three weeks to do, apparently. Um, so that's fun. I, I, I do kind of get that they have to make that giant hang-down scoreboard that I don't know how it doesn't fall and, and oh, murder yeah. everybody every time I see it, because it's very, very scary and very large. Um, and I guess other things, uh, Bobby Dodd is just a no-go because of money. I think it takes a lot to set it up for it, and they'd have to redo things. And there'd be football lines on it probably because of, of spring practice and things like that. So, oh spring well, <laughs> that's or something. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, whatever. It, yeah, <laughs> freaking tech. It's it's going to be like as much as we all love Bobby Dodd, and I love Bobby Dodd as much as anybody. It's just not going to happen again. No. Fifth Third is the alternate venue, and that's just how it's going to be. So. You it got anything else from the game? Anything be... else stand out for, stand out to you? Worse. Uh, Zeke made a lot of really good runs. I want to yeah. I want to kind of highlight that. I thought he did a really nice job carrying the ball up a few times. I, I have this thing with Zeke where I feel like I tweeted it last night that I feel like every passage of play with him is 99% loaded. Like there's always that last thing at the end that feels like it all kind of crashes. And I think he does this thing where he makes really good runs. And then decides that he's not faster than everyone else, which he is, yeah, and slows is. down and tries to get the foul. And that can be a little bit frustrating. I understand why he does it. Sometimes he does have angles on him and everything like that. But it, it, it is kind of 
it'd be kind of nice to see him just continue to take off and to continue to make things happen. Um, there's a lot of times where I feel that, you know, he's just really, really close to getting that last end product to making something really, really special happen. Uh, but at the same time, those connecting runs are huge. If he can continue to do that and continue to be doing Zeke things throughout the most part, that's that's big. So speaking of Zeke things, I was actually surprised to see he was the one who was making more of those forward runs, like those runs beyond Joseph. And it was Pitty who was dropping back and kind of helping pick up the ball a little bit deeper and supporting those two midfielders. I thought before the game it would be the other way around. I thought that Pitty would be the one who stays a little higher up and is making runs in toward goal and Barco would be the one coming back. So it was interesting to kind of see that role reversal or and I wonder if it'll continue like that or if. You know, it was just happened to be the matchups in the game or whatever. But I was just, that was that was an aspect that surprised me. But I agree with you. Barco is sneaky fast, faster than yeah. I think he gets credit for. He's he's kind of believing himself, man. I don't know. <laughs> like we gotta we gotta work on that confidence or something. It's interesting to see him. I don't know. It's just like he gives up on on running faster than everybody when he can. <laughs> um, another thing that is interesting to me, um, you know, dunked on Pity a little bit. I think we all dunked on Pity a little bit last night when he took like four straight shots from 20 plus yards and yeah. wasn't even close. Uh, but then he gets into the box and he scores. Um, he, he had one moment too last night right before that where he got into the box and almost drew a penalty. It was real, real close. Um, the more as, as Neanderthalish as it sounds, you get in the box in soccer, good things happen. It's something Teodol talks about a lot, where just get in the box, get shots, make things happen. Um, the more we see PT kind of do that and be direct in a way, I think that's big too. Yeah, for sure. I've you know, he, The point that uh, Teodol football makes is that we need to focus less on XG in terms, like when we're looking at a game and who had who was the better team in, in a game, Less focus less on XG and just focus more on shots in the box. Shots in the box is what you want. If you can get the more of those you get, the much greater chance you have to score goals. Which sounds simple, but yeah, yeah. it's the truth. And that's the thing. It's and a simple is, game. He does kick it hard. It moves a lot. It's <laughs> almost never close. He's not scored one yet from there. I don't think. Yeah. Um, and, and they're very very low percentage. No matter who you are, right? No matter who you are. Um, and soccer is hard. Scoring is hard. Uh, Messi still misses a lot, you know, things like that. All those things, all those things, just get in better positions, uh, and then stop taking pot shots, please. But PT, great job last night, doing great, man. We, I'm very excited for a number of not necessarily like uh, turns or anything like that, but like redemption arcs in a sense for a lot of people this year. Uh, I I think that's going to make, make it real fun. You, You have to have a little bit of fall before you can have the rise, right? All right. That's right. Yeah, I totally agree. Sweet. Anything else we want to add for the game before we move on to part two? One thing, one one sentiment I've seen, I'll just be really quick on this, is that oh. in, I've seen a lot of, not a lot, but I've seen the sentiment expressed that the reason that the attack was so good is because they were free. They had freedom. And to me, that implies that there was like some sort of restriction on them last year, and that's why they were bad. I just think that it's... It's it's not that uh, I don't even know how to express this now, but I think Frank DeBoer is getting some undue stick for the team how, how the team you. performed in the attack last year. How I think it was down you. to bad performances, bad individual performances <laughs> from some players last year. So anyway, 
All right, we'll see. We'll All see. Right. Moving on to part two. Yeah, we'll be back in just a second. All right, and we're back. But before we get on to part two, we're going to talk about Nashville. First, I want to talk to you about Lucid FC, who is bringing you this podcast, Sponsors Dirty South Soccer Podcast Network. Uh, Lucid FC stands for um, Lucid Footwear and Clothing. They've got all kinds of kind of modern European style clothing, and uh, they've got some. They've got a new collection for their their uh, spring summer 2020. The formal collection name in my mind's eye, which I know Sam, you said you're a fan of that one. I feel it, man. Like I, I'm, I'm an art school kid at heart. So anybody that's just taking their passion stuff like that, even if it's a little out there, super here for it. I think those guys are killing it. The palette is in the realms of warm, bright, muted hues, merely merely uh, intimating the actual thoughts and colors we see in our third eye's vision. Again, I listen to a lot of music that's a lot of like this. This is is my vibe. I'm here for it. Lucid FC is founded and operated in Atlanta with office in, in New York City and London. And they are the official fashion sponsorship for Dirty South Soccer. So check them out, Lucid FC. Dot us hopefully we we hope to be doing some giveaways some uh, contests and stuff like that and hopefully i can go out and get down to the gulch and give away some uh from some free swag later on there are some things in the works so uh stay tuned for that and uh in the meantime go out and get yourself some lucid fc footwear and clothing and i will be wearing some lucid fc clothes while i'm on the supporters <laughs> bus on saturday Making the trek. <laughs> you're taking you're taking too much enjoyment out of this. <laughs> Joe Patrick, Joe Patrick on Friday. I'm like, wait, it was like Tuesday or something like that. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going. I I have work Friday night, and I immediately said, you coward. The game is on Saturday. <laughs> I'm driving up Saturday. You should too. Uh, well, the good news is Joe won't have to drive. Joe will be driven on the atl utd express up to nashville with the uh with the rest of the supporters joe when does your uh when does your journey begin what time will you be coming up to meet me in nashville well i do not have an itinerary yet but i have been in touch with matt moore who's the um the what is his title you've met him you've done some work with him for a director i think director of digital yeah anyway um, so you might be seeing me on some Atlanta United stuff on like probably like Instagram or something like that. And we'll be doing some call-ins. Make sure you're listening to 92.9. I'll be calling in, uh, giving you guys some updates from the bus, which I know is what everybody wants to hear. What are you, are you, are you getting up there Friday? No, heading up there Saturday. Uh, not on the bus though. Coward. Not on the bus. No, I'm, I'm going with people I know. Um, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you, you you enjoyed that, bud. Um, I, I'm excited to see what kind of goodie bags they have on the supporters bus. I'm I'm thinking everyone gets a shot of fireball and a flare to pop off at any point during the bus ride at the oh, bus God. driver's <laughs> possible expense. Um, so good luck, Godspeed. We hope you make it. Well, it should be fun. I mean, I'm look I'm really looking forward to experiencing the game. And part of the fun part of this for me is that when I go to the game, I'm actually going to the game. I'm not like I'm not going into the press box. I'm like gonna go watch the game from a box from a box seat for the first time since it'll be the first time I've seen the Atlanta United game from a from a regular paid seat since um 
2017 sometime. I guess I think it was a Columbus Crew game at home in Bobby Dodd Stadium. Yeah. The the last game I went to was also a Columbus Crew game. It did not end well. Oh. Um, <laughs> the Adam John game. It's been game. that long. The Adam John game. That's how we'll Redemption remember arc. that one. Redemption arc. Yeah. Um, no, Nash is going to be a blast. Uh, Ian Air announcing today. <laughs> hold on, hold on, wait. I just said that without telling you guys that uh, Liverpool legend Ian Air is the CEO of Nashville SC. If you don't know, now you know. Um, and- Ian had a... Uh, Interesting end to his time at Liverpool, I'll say that. Moved on to, I believe, oh gosh, they're like 1868 Berlin or something like that. Uh, they were relegated a few months later. Ian Air left that job. Now in charge of Nashville SC. Met him, though. Super nice guy. Gives off real Darren vibes. I'm a fan. Yeah, I wanted to give uh, you a shout out for your article, which I read this afternoon. Thought it was great. I really <laughs> liked his quote about... Um, the game kind of being like Absolutely. about like the, the day being like a festival and the game is kind of just like the headline act of the, of mm-hmm. the festival itself. But it's like, uh, but it, there's a lot more to it. Music, food, all that kind of stuff. I thought that was a really cool kind of analogy. And I think that Atlanta United is very much the same way in that sense. I absolutely had no idea what to expect when I was going to talk to him, but I was very, very happy to see that he got it. In a lot of sense, like when you talk to Darren about the team and why it's been successful, he understands exactly why and, and what he had to do to make that work. I got really similar vibes from Ian Air. Um, and again, he talked about like a festival of soccer. I didn't include this in the article, but I made a Bonnaroo joke right after that. He thought it was funny. Real thing that happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he understood the city. He talked about he talked about uh, the music in general and how you can hear all sorts of type of music in the honky tonks and everything like that. Walking up down Broadway, he knew he knows that it's not just a country town. He knows that it's full of all these different diverse backgrounds. And if you kind of understand that it's not the country music that's that's the big thing, it's the show that's the big thing in Nashville, then I, I think you kind of get it, and he definitely does. So at this point, uh, expecting big things. Like I said, to, I was getting to it before I interrupted myself. Uh, 50,000 have been announced uh, for this one, it was 40000 when I was up there a couple weeks ago. Um, so that continues to grow. It's going to be a sellout. It's going to be, he said today, it's it's a bigger crowd than his first game with Liverpool, which is very, very <laughs> funny to me. Um, <laughs> so it'll be a blast, of course. Uh, we think a lot of those are going to be you guys, right? Uh, Joe, uh, 15000 Atlanta? Oh, wow. I That's it, a good question. I don't know how many will go, but I like it's crazy. Like, I know... Just anecdotally, I've got I know more than a handful of just like friends who are going up. Right. So it seems like, um, it seems like a lot. Everyone is going up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the one of the people I talked to in Nashville talked about how this is going to be one of the most probably the most traveled road trip for a lot of people in the next couple of years because you get to come to Nashville and, and be in a city where you normally aren't and uh, has a lot of good things going on, especially from a touristic kind of yeah. perspective. And it's generally warm. I say generally because kickoff's <laughs> going to be about 30 degrees. Good luck, everybody. Um, yeah, so, yeah, no, a lot of folks going up. It'll, it'll be a really, really cool atmosphere, I think. And, of course, uh, if they can if they can execute, at least on some level, the festival of soccer idea, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other venues that would be, like, big travel destinations for Atlanta so far. And, obviously, fans go down to Orlando. But I feel like after, like, the first time playing away at Orlando, people were like, 
No. I don't want to do this again. That sucked. It's in a weird area. It's it's Orlando. Yeah. It's yeah. it's around get, those like, people. <laughs> They're gonna get me fired. I'm gonna get fired for saying something about Red Bulls or Orlando City oh, at some yeah. point this year. It's gonna be well, great. I'll take um, take as much of the blame as I can. But I, you know, <laughs> but seriously, I think that there is like a huge difference in Nashville where it is just much more of like a destination town for to like go visit for a weekend and. I feel like a lot of people that I know around here have family that are in that area or came from that area or, you know, went to school or have like some connection. So I feel like there's lots of links to that area, much more so than Orlando. And I think it'll be a fun trip. I think that I, I think it will be like not a hostile rivalry. I think it will be kind of like a, yeah. um, I don't know, mutual respect, but just like, you know, it'll just be like a fun, it'll be like a fun yeah festival type of, match so i'm interested to see how it plays out i'm i mean nobody really knows exactly what to expect of nashville it seems like they've built their team with a lot of solid mls experience up the spine in central midfield and then in defense obviously they made that big splashy trade to get in walker zimmerman so it'll be Mm -hmm. interesting to see how atlanta deals with that and you know what kind of challenges they present to atlanta based on again like all we've seen them all we've seen atlanta play this season is matagua and you just wonder how that's going to translate to a team that has like MLS bona fide credentials. We know that they're going to be very defensive. Uh, the question is up top. If, if they really are starting David Akam, then there you go. That's your first clue of how that might go for them. Uh, but probably four, three, three from Gary Smith. He's, he's very conservative from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's been talking about how defensive mind that he is. Of course you throw in walkers and men, you throw in a couple other folks who are pretty experienced center backs um, and then you put Dax McCarty in the midfield. You have a team that's very, very solid defensively. This is not Minnesota. This is not Cincinnati. They aren't going to concede an absolute ton this year. Uh, but they're not going to score a lot either. It's kind of a different formula than we've seen from from some of the other expansion teams, right? Uh, I don't think anyone's ever quite gone as defensive this early. But it, it makes sense to me if you're a team that's not going to be able to throw down a, a ton of cash and, and get the big stars like the way Inter has with like Rodolfo Pizarro or people like that. You build yeah. it the back and hope the rest comes later. Yeah, you it's, know, Gary... And it's something, again, just to add to that a little bit, it's something that Minnesota eventually realized, right? Like bringing in yeah. Ico Park, bringing in people like that. And then... They realized that, oh, hey, Mason Toy can actually score some, can make some things happen. We have some other people who can make things happen. Now we've got a team that's a playoff team. Um, I'm expecting that to maybe happen a little quicker for Nashville. And that was kind of the blueprint for Gary Gary Smith when he was in Colorado. He won an MLS Cup with Colorado Rapids. It's like, crazy, right? yeah. <laughs> and it was very, I mean, I remember that was kind of when I was first getting into the league, and it was very pragmatic approach. It was solid defense. And it was speed up the wings and up top. And when you when you create those, when you get those stops and you get those moments to go in transition, you go with full force with with three players who are dynamic, who can, you know, create goals without much support. They can just kind of get upfield and go. And I think that's a it's a, it's a I think for the way that Nashville is building this club, I think it's a smart approach. I think, you know, if they don't have the resources to go out and build a team like Atlanta United did or like an inter Miami did to an extent, um, then I think that this is a smart way to go. And I think that it will be a, I think it'll be a really good test for Atlanta United. I mean, it's, it's kind of yeah. funny. Atlanta United has never won their MLS, their, their league opening <laughs> game. They've, they've lost every single one. 
I think uh, I think the Batagla draw was the first time we hadn't lost the opening game of the season. Um, oh, so is that right? There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, wow. it's um, yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I think Atlanta should be fine. I think they're gonna win at the end of this. But you know, it wouldn't be surprised to see it play out very similar to the way our first game did, right? It's gonna be a big crowd. The atmosphere is gonna be big. Uh, you come out a little amped up, maybe get that first goal, have your Emil Assad moment. And then get over by a team that's just objectively better at that point, right? Um, but I'm hoping it's good. I'm hoping it looks like it's going to be at least a, a clear night. There were some worries of ice and stuff like that. Um, so I'm hoping for Nashville's sake that it kind of comes off well. It's a cool club with a cool history. Back in uh, 2013, they started as a supporters' own club. A, a guy named Chris Jones and a buddy. Uh, sat down over a root beer and said uh, the MPSL team that they were called the Metros. They left. Uh, there was a, a soccer void in Nashville, and uh, they said, hey, why don't we just start our own team? They went around getting, uh, collecting founding memberships and stuff like that, and became entirely supporters' own. Started off in the MPSL, uh, where they played at Vanderbilt, had like 1,800 people at the first game, which is really impressive for a club that was playing with like Vistaprint t-shirts as jerseys <laughs> um, and then uh, kind of kept moving up from there. So they played their first game in 2014. They get picked up by USL at that point. They kind of relinquish control as a supporters own club because they had to make a decision to, you know, either have a principal owner or kind of not move up. Kind of um, like what we did with this podcast. With- Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, decided to see where uh, where it could go, uh, and of course uh, the MLS bid comes in with John Ingram and the Will family and other people like that. So, but they have the same roots. It's the same Twitter account and everything, which I think is really really neat. Uh, you can go back to the first tweet from the Nashville SC Twitter account, and it's like, all right. We're having a meeting at a bar on on Thursday. Everyone come through. It was um, this is our first tweet. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's very cool. Um, and just to talk to some of those folks who were there from the beginning to to see what's essentially their team go from NPSL to fifty thousand people in MLS playing against uh, the biggest team in America, maybe uh, is is pretty incredible and it, it's a really interesting and, and neat dynamic they have there and I'm, I'm wishing them all the best man that's that's so cool and I it's making me jealous it, it like it's making me wish I could go back to that first day of Atlanta United that first game yeah. where it's like remember when it was like you know we were writing for the site or whatever and we knew there was like some sort of culture and there had been some get-togethers with supporters groups and things like that which Nashville has certainly done and they've had you know they, they've obviously been going in USL but it's like then you see it like the finished product MLS product for the first time. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. You know? And then it even grows from there. So I think that, yeah, it's just going to be an awesome day for all those fans. I, I'm just wish I could experience it again. Like they're about to. So. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, Now I'm feeling nostalgic for all of it too. Shoot. Um, (laughs) uh, well, look out for, look out for content and stuff that we have coming out about that. Um, I've got a thing uh, coming the next morning that I don't know how the hell it's going to end up or how I'm going to be able to function enough to write it. Um, but I'll be writing some stuff from the game. Uh, Joe, of course, will be on the supporters bus going up. I'm sure he may write something about that experience coming up. Um, it's going to be a lot of good stuff, and we're just glad the season's back. 
Thank you for reminding me. I'm I'm hoping to put together some sort of uh, special podcast episode about the trip. We'll see if it comes Ooh. off. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it'll come off yet. It just kind of depends on what kind of content I get. But I'm going to try to bring a recorder with me and try to talk to some fans and just kind of do like a do like an audio documentary type of thing. So uh, we'll see how that comes off. And then uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of content on Dirty South Soccer as well. I think we, uh, Sydney Hunt. Uh, has done uh, three questions with uh, their SB Nation blog, which I didn't even know they had one, honestly. Um, so look yeah, out for that. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously we've got a ton of content on Dirty South Soccer right now. And from the Matagua stuff, Nashville's coming up. It's just a great, great time. It's always fun at the beginning of the season when everybody's refreshed, yeah. wanting to put content out and just super engaged. There's no slog yet. It hasn't, it hasn't yeah. slowed down. Uh, uh, we'll get there eventually. Don't worry. Uh, but right now, it's really fun and, and really optimistic. And it's uh, it's exciting to welcome a new culture in the league, and and hopefully they do that with a uh, with a win that's not too big, but it's still a win, right? Of course, I guess Minnesota turned out fine after they got beat six one. So. Um, Anything else you want to add to this? It, it, like we said, it's going to be an interesting kind of contrast of styles because, shoot, Nashville may come out in an extremely low block, even though they're you know going to have a big crowd and everything like that, and, and just kind of hope they can pull something on the counter. We'll have to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, there's that's natural grass there in uh, Nissan Stadium, I believe. That's from, yeah, that's what I understand. Okay, that's yeah, my so, understanding. So okay. I don't know why that matters, but <laughs> Joe, your uh, your commitment to the minutia of things sometimes is is very endearing. I love it. Thank you, thank you. I love it. Um, um, all right, y'all, get okay. at us. If you have any questions, you can find us at Five Strike Final. Uh, you can find Joe at J Patrick Two Hundred, and of course, just in your car if you're listening to ninety two point nine The Game. He may be doing the uh, the updates for you, or or talking in United, or talking about. The Atlanta area baseball team, which is back soon as well. So, so go follow Joe for all of that. Um, you can find me at J underscore Sam Jones. Again, go check out uh, a couple of things I've written about Nashville. Got another one coming out tomorrow, which I'm excited about, which might be today if you're listening to this. Um, so go check those out. I had a lot of fun writing them. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll see you guys in Nashville. Catch Joe on the bus. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. <laughs>